Well, good morning, my friends. Podcast number 501. Now we're headed towards our next 500 podcasts. Uh, thanks for being here. I pray that you are well. Turn in your Bibles to Revelation chapter 1, verse 3. And then let me pray for us. Lord, I ask you to open our eyes to enhance our understanding so that we can grasp what you want us to learn today. I also ask you to enable us by your spirit to apply the truths we learn today to our daily lives and to be guided moment by moment by your word in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Turn to Revelation chapter 1 and verse 3. We'll look at our memory verse. And it says, Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy, and blessed are those who hear and who keep what is written in it, for the time is near. God adds your blessing to each one listening and reading today. Turn to Revelation chapter 2. We're going to look at the second church um, that this message goes out to. The first one was Ephesus. Now we look at Smyrna. And uh, uh, just verses 8 through 11. And to the angel of the church in Smyrna write the words of the first and the last who died and who came to life. I know your tribulation, your poverty, but you are rich and the slander of those who say that they are Jews and are not but are a synagogue of Satan. Do not fear what you are about to suffer. Behold, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison that you may be tested. And for 10 days, you will have tribulation. Be faithful unto death and I will give you the crown of life. He who has an ear, let him hear what the spirit says to the churches. The one who conquers will be uh, not be hurt by the second death. Um, such great, great, uh, words here. So let's look at them. Uh, first of all, in verse 8, it says to the angel of the church. This is likely the pastor of the church. And and one of the reasons we know, or I believe, I should say we don't know, but I believe that the angel is the pastor, is that the words are coming to uh, the church. And the words are coming in most of these um, churches, um, com- uh, commendation, but also condemnation. And de- uh, the angels, since the first fall with, with Satan, they, they cannot sin. They don't need to repent. Um, they don't get con- uh, uh, commendation or condemnation. So as the leaders of this church, for them to truly understand what the church is going through, I believe this really needs to be the messenger or the pastor of the church um, in Smyrna. Smyrna was located about 35 miles north of Ephesus and was a prosperous commercial center. The Roman imperial cult severely persecuted Christians in this city who refused to say Caesar is Lord. You can see Caesar worship was huge in this in this area, um, and 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 the penalty was huge. The persecution was huge. So when it talks about tribulation here, this is why I believe that uh, up until we get later in the book, that every time the word tribulation is mentioned, it's about what they're going through, not the great tribulation. It says, I know your tribulation. Well, they're not in the tribulation yet, um, in, in my estimation. And it says, uh, you'll be tested for 10 days and you will have tribulation. We know the tribulation period's longer than a 10-day period. And so I, I just believe that uh, this is um, the tribulation here that we're talking about is is what they're going through at the time. And it says the first and the last, and how comforting this must be. Christ indicates he is the eternal God who 
always was, always has existed, and he always will. And then it says, who came, who died and came to life. Again, the encouragement here is amazing. Let's look at um, some scriptures on, on this. Luke chapter 24, very familiar. We go through it often. Um, but we have Jesus in a post-resurrection situation. He comes back from the dead and he's going to minister to um, two, two disciples. Can you imagine being these two disciples on the road to Emmaus? Discouraged. They're walking away from Jerusalem as if everything is over. And Jesus appears to them, Luke 24, verse 44. Then he said to them, these two disciples, these are my words that I spoke to you while I was with you. I've already spoken to you. So these are not disciples um, that are just on the fringe. He said, I spoke these to you. So they're a part of a larger group here. That everything written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled now. This is essential. I've heard people attack the Psalms as just poetry and just as as uh, nothing that's not really truly inspired scripture. And yet Jesus says the law of Moses, the first five books of the Bible, the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. So he talks about um, the Psalms here in um, a correlation with the other two groups that he talks about here, the law uh, and the and the prophets puts them on the same level and talks about the Psalms being prophetic. So we need to understand that if somebody attacks the Psalms, you say, wait a minute, let's go to Luke chapter 24 and and show them this. Um, Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. And what are the scriptures? The law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms, the ones he just mentioned. So he says that they are scripture. And he said to them, thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead and that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in in his name to all nations beginning here at Jerusalem. Remember in Acts chapter 1 verse 9, he says, you're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, then in Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth at concentric circles working out. And Jesus says here, um, I'm the first and the last. I had no beginning and I have no end. Um, I died and came back to life. Um, let's look at First uh, Corinthians chapter 15. First Corinthians chapter 15. My new Bible and page, pages don't turn as fast. Maybe that's good. Maybe it slows me down a little bit. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1 through 4 and verse 7 says, Now I want, I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you. I'm bringing you back to what I shared with you. And what is it that I shared with you? Because so many people say Paul's gospel was different. Well, let's look and see if it is. Which you received and on which you stand. And by which you have are being saved. If you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you of first, first importance what I also received. So it's not a new gospel. It's not something I came up with. He said what I also uh, received. So I'm going to deliver that to you. I'm not going to invent something new. That Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, <clears throat> just like uh, Jesus said in, in Luke 24, um, that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. Then we have some um, post-resurrection appearances. And then in verse uh, 7, it says, Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. Um, these appearances are the are great proof, obviously, of the fact that Jesus is exactly who he said he is. And then the changed lives of these men in... Uh, 
in in first corinthians 15 including james his brother who did not believe in him who was not a disciple these are proofs that jesus is exactly who he said he is and he rose from the dead so jesus christ was dead and crucified um and was buried and gloriously resurrection and and now as we go back to revelation chapter one I kind of got a little ahead of myself talking about this, but I want to do this again. It says, I know your tribulation and your poverty. Christ sees everything. And that should really encourage us today that no matter what we're going through, he sees it. In uh, Revelation chapter 1, verse 14, a beautiful picture of, of the revelation of the Son of Man. It says, the hairs of his head were white like white wool, like snow, and his eyes were a flame of fire. And we, when we talked about that, we, we mentioned that his eyes being a flame of fire means that he sees everything, that nothing is hidden from his sight. Let's look at a couple of scriptures on that. John chapter 2. John chapter 2, verse, verses 23 through 25. Jesus says this, Now, when he was in Jerusalem at the Passover feast, many believed in his name when they saw the signs that he was doing. So many believed because of what he was doing. Verse 24, But Jesus, on his part, did not entrust himself to them because he knew all people and needed no one to bear witness about him, for he himself knew what was in man. Jesus here reveals that he knew everything about them. In fact, even those who said they believed in him, uh, John is careful to write here that they believed in him because of the things that he was doing rather than in who he was. And Jesus knew that because he knew everything about men and he, uh, he didn't entrust himself to them. And their witness wasn't what made him who he was. Uh, John chapter 21 and verse 17 says this, he said to him, to Peter, a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, look at this, underline it, you know everything. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Jesus didn't say to Peter, I, did, I don't know, that's why I'm asking you. Jesus says, if you love me, feed my sheep. Turn just a page over or two to Acts chapter 1 and verse 24. Acts chapter 1 and verse 24 um, they're praying for a replacement for Judas who had taken his own life. And it says, and they prayed and said, you, Lord, who know the hearts of all, show which one of these two you have chosen. So we see uh, Peter saying, Lord, you know the hearts of all. You know exactly who we need. And you, Lord, place the right person for this uh, appointment to replace Judas. Turn back to the book of Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 13. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 13, the writer of Hebrews says, and no creature is hidden from his sight. We're talking about from Jesus being the high priest and the word of God, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him who must, who, to whom we must give an account. And remember, um, God uh, placed all of the judgment, the future judgment of the world on his son, Jesus Christ. We know that from Matthew chapter 28 in the Great Commission, verses 19 and 20. We know that he is coming back as the judge of all. And all things are before him and all things will be judged before him 
his sight. And then it says, it says, I know your tribulation and your poverty. I know what you're going through. Matthew chapter 6 is, is so good here. Matthew chapter 6, because we have a tendency to look at life uh, based on what we possess in this life. And Jesus has a different economy. Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 and 20. Jesus says this, Do not lay up for yourself treasures uh, on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourself treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. I don't know if I've ever shared this story with you, uh, but I was preaching at a church. Um, I was out of town, so I was preaching there for the whole weekend. So they put me up in a hotel. I stayed there. I preached the Saturday night. I preached on Sunday. I didn't get home to my house until uh, late Sunday after uh, Sunday afternoon. And when I drove up, uh, the curtains from the inside of the house were blowing into the outside. And I noticed that the windows were open. And I'm like, I didn't leave the windows open. Then when I walked up to the front door, I realized it was unlatched. And when I walked inside, the house was a mess. And I realized that that uh, I had been robbed. And, I, and I, immediately I thought to myself, God, I am preaching in another town about do not laying, uh, lay up treasures on earth where thieves come in and steal. And I come home and my house has been broken into and thousands of dollars of stuff was, was gone. My first... Um, my first thing was to grab a golf club that I saw laying there, wondering if there was somebody in the house still, and went from room to room with my golf club, actually hoping, this is sad, that they were still there, and I would wreak some havoc, uh, which is stupid, dumb, and not not spiritual. Um, but then I, I kind of laughed because I realized that God was teaching me to, uh, to, to abide by what the words that I had preached. So I don't lay up for myself on this earth treasures any longer like I used to. I probably still should um, be more in tune with spiritual things. Uh, and then it goes on to say, but you're rich. See, this, this church did not have an overinflated view of itself. They didn't think, uh, like we'll see later in other churches, that they were uh, rich in their own. But uh, their the realization was that they were rich in God. Jesus said, you're rich in me. And then he goes on to say that the slander of those who say they are Jews and are not, in, in verse 9. They were uh, 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 relying on ancestry to, to prove who they were. And, and Jesus says to them, they say they're Jews, but they're not. Because true Jews in Jesus' mind was not those who were born um, of Abraham, but those who realized who Jesus was as the coming Messiah. They, they had become paganized in a pagan culture. They had become uh, something so much different than what they should have been. And uh, they had lost out on, uh, on who they were. Then it says in verse 10, Do not fear what you're about to suffer. He prepares them for what's about to happen. He prepares them for the suffering that is therein. But he doesn't say, hey, it's going to get better. No, he says it's going to get worse in verse 10. And he says that, uh, do not fear what you're about to suffer. Behold, the devil is about to throw some of you in prison. He's not going to stop it. We pray so many times for God to stop something, and many times God is trying to teach us something through it. You may be tested, and for 10 days, and there's no reason to take this symbolically, it says 10 days. 
So we don't go, well, I wonder what 10 days means. 10 mean maybe um, the different provinces or uh, the different types of persecution and different types of suffering. I believe 10 days means 10 days. God knows everything. And so there must have been a, a period uh, uh, set aside by the Romans that if you didn't uh, bow and you didn't say Caesar is Lord, then you're, you've got a 10-day sentence. Um, that's what I believe. And you will have tribulation. Beyond the 10 days, you're going to have some tribulation. Be faithful unto death, and, and I will give you the crown of life. See, God has, has plans for us, and, 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 and God desires to minister to us and, to, and to, to have us not to be afraid of what would lie ahead. Let's look at Acts chapter 9 and verse 16. Acts chapter 9 and verse 16. Outside of my house, there are concrete trucks backing up and down. There's a house being built on the end of our street. So you might hear that in the background. Acts chapter 9, verse 16. Uh, God talking to um, uh, to Ananias about uh, the conversion of Saul and what would have to happen here. And Jesus is revealing to him what, what Paul was going to go through. And he says this, For I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. The prosperity teachers who talk about there's no such thing as suffering and there's no, there's there's nothing we're going to have to deal with. It's no no we're going to deal with all kinds of things and the reality is because of that, um, God prepares us. He gives us strength and he gives us the Holy Spirit to live within us and he tells us not to fear because we have an adversary. First Peter chapter five verse eight says we have an adversary who runs about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. He doesn't tell us that, hey, you're not going to go through things. He says you're going to be tested. You're going to have tribulation. He even names the, the amount of time it is. He says it's going to be 10 days at this point, but it's actually going to get worse than that. And so we need to prepare and we need to realize that God doesn't, um, God isn't overwhelmed by anything God isn't surprised by anything. In fact, what he says is you need to prepare for what is next. We're going to leave it right there. I want to really get into the last couple verses a little more on Monday. But uh, let me uh, turn to 2 Peter. 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 18. You would think I'd have this memorized by now, but I don't want to butcher it. I'm older. I don't memorize as, as well as I used to. Uh, but almost there. Second Peter chapter 3, verse 18. But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. God bless you until we talk again.